It is Monday, May 9th. Welcome back to the Boys of Spring. I am Ben Bellotti, joined by Peter Flaherty. We have another great show for you guys today. Recapping some college baseball and then the top 10 starting pitchers in all of college baseball. B, I'm excited for this one. I don't know about you. Man, you said it best. I'm fired up too. We had a wild weekend. It's getting down to the time of year where we've got teams fighting for regional bids, hosting bids, a lot going on, and we're here to break it down for you. Yeah, super exciting. I mean, another we're at the we said it right before we started uh start recording. We're at the point of the season where some crazy stuff happens and you know, collapses, teams get on streaks, a bunch of crazy stuff. And one of the craziest things that happened this weekend is Louisville and Wake Four is tying five to five after 12 innings, which I didn't even know was a thing. And you explained it's a it's a courtesy for the the travel traveling, but it's crazy. It was yeah, I I get the travel curfew. If we're talking like second week of February and you've got Indiana going out to play UC San Diego and they're in the 13th inning, then maybe they can get back on the plane and head back. But when we're getting down to it in May and we've got teams like Louisville fighting for even a top eight national seed, mm-hmm. Wake Forest obviously trying to bolster their resume in a rubber game three, I think we can throw the curfew out the window. But one of the more unique rules in college baseball, you don't see ties so often because everyone has lights and all of that. But when I was on my phone today at Mother's Day brunch, I saw that they tied and I, I thought there was a glitch. But no, Wake, Wake couldn't push a run across in any of the bottom halves of the innings and extras. And it was just a really anticlimactic ending to a to a great series. I like there's not much to be said. Like they just they split and tied. It was that was it. I guess Louis Louisville kind of looked bad on, on yesterday, the first day of the doubleheader. They they got their doors blown off, but bounced back. And then again, a tie. It just kind of leaves a, a really weird taste in my mouth. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's there's any place for ties in baseball. I, I think most people would agree on that. Um, especially, I mean, the game started at 1230. It's not like they're playing. I know they have to travel after, but still, I mean, they, they've done crazier things before. And it's really and a Kentucky, game that, that Wake, you know, Wake needed to win this game. To right. And Kentucky to North Carolina is not that bad. No, like, not at all. But, whatever. I, we, I could go on and on about yeah, it. But. We'll, we'll move, move on to another exciting game. Um, I don't know about you, but the Southern Miss and Old Dominion was a great game. Um, yeah. two, two, two good teams going at it. Southern Miss just keeps growing and growing with all the, the national attention they're getting. And beating Old Dominion 5-4 to four is another good win for them, a good series all around, though. Yeah, no, I, this was a huge, this was a really big series for old dominion more so for them than Southern miss coming into the weekend. Their RPI was, I think in the mid sixties, maybe 62 um, in conference USA, they were at about 500. So I would say they were on the outside looking in of a regional berth. And this was a team that I know in our first iteration of our rankings, we had them ranked and a lot of people mm-hmm. were high on them coming into the year. And so this was a really big test for them to kind of see, you know, if they could turn the corner, or if they were just a, a decent conference USA team who was going to kind of peter out. But um, no, it, it was kind of, I guess, strength against strength. Southern Miss is pitching against um, Old Dominion's lineup with guys like Andy Gariola, Matt Kootenay, Carter Trice. Um, and it was Friday night. It was Tanner Hall, their ace, and, and Old Dominion got a huge win. It was Old Dominion's pitching really stepped up. We'll talk. I know I'm going to talk about an Old Dominion starting pitcher in a little bit, but 
no, they, they needed their pitching to step up in a big way. And they did. I, I think this weekend I saw what was worrying to me. Southern Miss has the pitching depth to go to Omaha. There's no doubt about it. They have the pitching depth to win a national championship with guys like Tanner Hall, Hurston Waldrop, Dalton Rogers, like Jika's they're they're unbelievable, but the, their hitting is a real problem. Um, they don't have a ton of power bats. They really don't have any power bats. Slade Wilkes is one, but Dustin Dickerson is good at the top of the lineup. He handles the bat really well, but I don't know. I'm a little worried about ha- I'm a little worried about the Golden Eagles. If they get a good three seed in Hattiesburg when they're hosting, I don't know. They they could be on upset alert, but I think Old Dominion played themselves back in a tournament. Um, Southern Miss with a nice salvage win today on a Sunday, but a massive series win for old dominion and they've got a big week ahead. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely couldn't have said any better massive win for old dominion and think it proves to the college baseball world that, you know, they are for real that ranking previously, you know, it, it's justified and they're going to be back. And, you know, Southern Miss is kind of another team that is similar to like UConn in my eyes with, you know, they're not playing anyone crazy, you know, old dominion is really good. And a bunch of other teams are playing are really good too, but it's not like they're playing the Arkansas and Tennessees um, every day. So it's kind of like, are they really as good as the ranking shows? And definitely. I think we're definitely down a stretch as all these pitchers that have been performing so well, you know, they're getting tired. We're going to see how old Dominion really is. And if they can keep it all going similar to UConn. Yeah, no, absolutely. I It's the conference USA is a really, um, I'd say underrated conference. You obviously have Southern Miss at the top, but then there are a bunch of teams in the middle who can really play. Texas San Antonio is good. Louisiana Tech is good, and they'll make a regional. Old Dominion is looking like they're going to make a regional. Marshall's even pretty good. Um, so it's going to come down to the wire, and, and that's a conference that that could steal a bid. There could be chaos and everyone beating up on each other. Everyone misses out on a bid. Um, I'm, I'm looking, I mean, there are so many conferences I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out, but that's a more under the radar one, but sticking with the mid majors, touch on it quick. Mercer is on the verge of a, of, I don't want to say all time collapse, but they were cruising through their schedule. I don't know their exact record. I think it was something like 30 and six at one point got swept by Western Carolina in convincing fashion this week probably not going to win the SOCON that's going to be Wofford and their RPI, which is such a big determining factor of, you know, if a team can make the tournament, especially in a conference like the SOCON where it's usually a one bid league, their RPI felt, I think 25 spots this weekend down to 35 and they, they really got to pick it up because I don't know if they lose a series next weekend, I have no clue who they play. I just, I, I saw on my Twitter that they got, manhandled this weekend but i don't know they there's a chance they miss out on the tournament um that was just one other thing i noticed before we go to the kind of higher profile series uh, it's i don't know tough oh. tough times and um tough, in making tough times tough times <laughs> um another thing that stuck out to me too um Rutgers of maryland doubleheader today basically flip-flopped you know they, they the first game maryland wins 16 to 8 and then it's 18 to 7 Rutgers the next game pretty crazy two two good teams Rutgers, another team i know we talked about last week a really underrated team that you know obviously they lose the first game but the win against maryland after is you know proving they can stick with it and bounce back after tough times 
definitely. Rutgers is a team that's going to go into a regional, I think, super under the radar. They're not really ranked by many people. They're another team that I think is a victim of, I guess, a week, a weekish um, schedule. They haven't really played many, I guess, powerhouses outside of the Big Ten. And the Big Ten is a tough conference to really get like a strong RPI, like a Tennessee who's number one or any SEC team that's going to have a boost in the RPI. But no, Rutgers is going to fly in underrated and they have a a veteran group um, across the board. There aren't really, there aren't really any, I I guess, freshmen that I'm too familiar with who are killing it. It's all, you know, Chris Brito in the lineup is, is their guy. Ryan Lasko is a sophomore. Um, Nick Samillo. Yeah. Nick Samillo, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Ocean State Waves. (laughs) Uh, No, but I, I like them a lot. Those are two really good teams. And it was bizarre, like you said, to see the scores literally flip-flopped like that in such a high-scoring game. And with the Big Ten, with all the weather going on this weekend, teams, the Big Ten series this weekend were wild. It was, I think, tons of teams are doing a doubleheader today yeah, and finishing the series tomorrow. So there's an underrated rubber. Well, if you're listening to this, the game will probably already have been played, but um, as of the recording on Sunday night, there are still Big Ten rubber matches to be played tomorrow, like Rutgers and Maryland. So um, whoever comes out on top in this series, that's a that's a big series win. And I think they cement themselves at the top of the league. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see what Rutgers do- does from here on out. And definitely when a tournament time comes, excited for them. Because I, like you said, they're very underrated and a lot of people aren't talking about them that much. So it's going to be great for them. Yeah. Um, Let's move on to some of the maybe higher profile team series. Um, I'm not sure if he would even still classify it as higher profile after the fall off that Vandy had, but Vandy winning a series against Georgia, uh, ranked team. So hopefully that helps them out again. Um, but winning four nothing today and, you know, that coming in with a series tied. So a little bounce back for them, maybe. Um, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how it goes the next coming week and what they can do and help their, their resume and maybe get back into a top 25. Yeah, that was a big one for sure. Um, anytime you can go on the road in the SEC and win, it's massive. There really is not a, a team that's a cakewalk to go into. I don't even the Kentuckys and the I guess this year the Mississippi States. There, there are no easy series in the SEC, no. and and Georgia's a good team. And this is the time of year where you kind of want to, I guess, set a bar for going into the tournament. You're either going to kind of be hot or limping in. And if this was the, I guess, turning point for Vanderbilt's season, um, I think we'll really find out how they do this weekend against Arkansas. Mm. But um, if they can get hot there and, you know, between the talent they have on their roster and Coach Corbin, I'm, it's not a hot take to say that they're a not team that could very well end up back in Omaha. I think you could say that about them every year. So, no, that's a huge win, and they needed that really badly. Yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, you need that confidence going in with the end of their season. They got Arkansas for three, Middle Tennessee, who's not a terrible team, but then they end their season with LSU. So a tough stretch for Vanderbilt, but also really important stretch for them as they can prove that, you know, they they can turn the whole thing around and get back to where they, the way they were playing in the beginning of the season Big uh, time. Before, before even SEC play started. But uh, keep it on track with Arkansas. Big series win against Auburn for them. Huge. 
Um, Auburn was on the up and up really good team. I know we talked about them a little bit last week too. And then as we mentioned before, going up against Vanderbilt, they're going to need to keep the momentum going and suppress Vanderbilt just to help them with the regional. Yeah. I, I think that wasn't even, obviously everyone goes into a series looking to sweep, but that wasn't a bad loss. I thought for Mm -hmm. um, a bad series loss for Auburn, they're a really good team. I think it was more for their top eight national seed hopes. They needed this one um, to really get a, a, an ironclad resume, but Arkansas, like they're such a good team with, I I could name their whole roster, Rob yeah. Moore, Jalen Battles, Lanzilli, Brady Tiger, Wiggins, Higgins Smith. That's a really good team. And um Dave Van Horn, like Tim Corbin, is gonna have them right for the postseason. So I think that just showed that they can go away from Baum Walker and win. They I think they've only played nine or ten games of like true road games this year, something crazy. Right. But to go on the road in a hostile environment like that and prove they can beat, in my mind, a top. 12 team in the country that was a that's big for him and and again it's going to be momentum on momentum auburn i mean arkansas coming off a series win against auburn vanderbilt at georgia something's got to give this weekend so that's going to be a that's going to be a huge one yeah definitely and um number one tennessee didn't play today um yeah oh they lost to kentucky though they yeah lost, that was a that was a um I knew there was one I was missing when we were yeah. pre-show, but no, Tennessee dropping a series to Kentucky and it was bound to happen at some point. I think baseball and SEC baseball is there are so many variables and anyone can kind of beat anyone. And they lost the game on third, the ball. I was watching both the game. The ball was dead all weekend at, at Kentucky and the weather was bad and Kentucky walked off on a marathon. I think, I don't know. I, there weren't a ton of fans there and, I think Tennessee, they probably just kind of were sleepwalking through it. it. Like, I think they'd be a little bit more up if they were heading to even an Ole Miss, Mississippi State. But it was kind of dead. It was pretty quiet. And you look up and like like in the eighth inning and you're like, wow, Kentucky's five outs away from winning this series. And I, I think that was the mentality in the dugout. I, I Kentucky, Tennessee would have to have like an all-time bad week for there to be any legitimate red flags about them. So I don't know. I just thought it was, it was, it's news anytime Tennessee loses and they yeah. drop their first series. So good for Kentucky. Um, Coach Mingione's a good guy. So I'm glad they won that series. And I've, I am really praying for whoever Tennessee plays in their midweek because that's going to be a very pissed off team. Yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, um, I, I, I can't believe I lost a series just the way they've been playing. But like you said, it's bound to happen. And um, it's great for great win series win for Kentucky. You got to be happy for them. But yeah, um, they need it. I mean, they're a program where they've been on the verge so many times. They they've notoriously gotten off to hot starts and kind of fall back to earth. So if they can end the season, maybe win a game or two in Hoover and and head into next year. That's I, I think that's what they're hoping to do. But no, uh, one more one another series that I was really surprised about, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say. UCLA getting not only swept at Washington, but going laying an over on the week. They lost to, in for in my mind, a pretty average, slightly above average Long Beach State team. I know it's been a roller coaster with them with the sweep at, at Mississippi State and and all that, but they turned out to be a pretty average team. Um, 
and they beat UCLA in 12. And then the bats for UCLA just go dead up at, up in, um, up at Washington. Yeah. And, and again, they're a team that's fighting for a national seed. And that was kind of ugly. The, the red flags about UCLA's bats and the pitching staff not being totally healthy. They're, they're going to, I'm really curious to see how they close out the season because going into the postseason, they're, I don't know the, do they have the bats to really make a run? They have a lot of good arms, obviously with gauge jump, Ethan Flanagan, um, Alonzo Treadwell, but do they have that depth that they did at the beginning of the year when guys like Jake Brooks and Thatcher Hurd were in the rotate were, you know, healthy. And so I don't know. I, I think they're getting beat up a bit and, and I, they hope to get a couple of those guys back, but I don't know, this was weird. And I'm, and I'm a little worried about UCLA's ability to make a run. Um, yeah. That was, that was kind of my take on it. Yeah. I think you summed it up pretty perfectly. I, I, I mean, UCLA, they've, they've proven they can beat in individual games um, and, you know, win series against top teams, you know, they'd be in Oregon, they swept Oregon. Um, but like, I don't know. For me, it's just not a team without the pitching depth. And I think it all goes back to that with the starting rotation. I mean, we've, we've pounded it every single show we've done, every appearance we've made on not gambling advice or just baseball show. It's the team with the coaching and the pitching. That's what it comes down to. It's all about roster depth, especially pitching depth when it comes to tournament time. And if they're going to in the back end of the season, if they struggle and, and they're missing some pieces, I just don't see how you can pull it together. They're really going to need to, probably come close to win out in my opinion, if they're going to have the confidence to just surely do it with such a short, you know, a uh, bunch of arms. So I, I don't like it either. It was pretty weird. And, you know, they, they've beaten good teams, but they really haven't blown anyone out of the water this entire season. I think um, all their big wins have been pretty close. So I, I wouldn't bet on UCLA to, to do anything crazy. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And UCLA, they're such a young group. Um, I I think that they're probably going to win a national championship either next year or the year after. Um, but no, now they this the story this year might just be that they were a little bit too young and in those their youth showed in the in the regionals. But with John Savage, they're going to be a really well coached and polished team. So they could also be a team that people were sitting here at the end being like, hey. UCLA looked kind of dead in the water after losing to Washington and in Long Beach, but they flipped the switch going into regional and and now we're talking about them in Omaha. So you're right. The the last they've got an easy little stretch here coming up mm-hmm. with Fullerton, Washington State, and UC Irvine. They that's that has to be at least a four and one, I think, in my mind. Those are Yeah. Especially for the confidence to get back up there too. Yeah, uh, definitely. And then they close it out at Oregon State, who was right there with Kentucky with right there in Tennessee in my mind. Right. I, I agree with you there, but uh, I don't know. Is there any other, any other series or anything quick to touch on before we hop into their top 10 starting pitchers? I think we touched on everything. Um, Clemson swept Georgia tech, which was huge for them. Um, they're another team like old dominion. They needed a series win in the worst way and they did it. And now they're, they're kind of jostling on the bubble too. So I think we're going to have a lot more clarity when we sit down next weekend and talk yeah, about it. And, and we're going to, the picture will become even clearer. So absolutely. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to, to break down some of the best arms in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And not just 
not just college baseball. And in our opinion, these are some of the best future arms too. I mean, these guys are legit. I'm with you. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, why not? Um, All right. So let's see. Uh, no particular order, I don't think, that we'll go into. Yeah, um, we don't want to hold ourselves to a top 10. So these are just the 10 best. Right. You can order them however you want. Right. And then we'll, we'll have a graphic come out later. Maybe we'll debate with ourselves and Brian Miller to see if we can pick an actual top 10 and get a graphic out for you guys. But right now, <laughs> it's just it's just 10 guys. So I'm going to start with a UConn guy. I know we've been not necessarily tough on UConn, but just saying they haven't really proven uh, maybe they haven't proven that they are a top team, but someone who has proven that he is legit is Austin Peterson, uh, junior for UConn, 81 innings pitched with 103 strikeouts and a 2.66 ERA. I mean, I just love watching this guy throw. He's a righty with a big slider that has absolutely nasty bite. And what I love most is most of his, uh, the majority of his strikeouts come from the slider. Um, he throws his slider the majority of the time, but he also has the ability to mix in those other pitches. You know, he's fastball, changeup, and they're all, you know, really good pitches too. He's, he's a really fun guy to watch, and he's an absolute gamer and a big reason why UConn is in, is in the position that they're in right now. Yeah. You, you said everything. I don't, really, I don't really have anything to add. He's the – I like most, and you touched on it, he's a gamer. He's really competitive on the mound, and – He's that anchor that you need on a Friday night yeah. to set the tone, whether it be in a big series like they did against Creighton or in a regional. So I, UConn's got a lot of stuff going for him, and their team will talk about it at length probably more in these episodes leading up to regionals. But yeah, definitely. You, I mean, you touched. Just, just, you got. Uh, you got him down. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see him pitching. I mean, obviously, he's been doing meaningful games. The whole season's meaningful, but when it gets down to the super meaningful games. I'm excited to see this guy on the mound. Yeah. You and me both. Um, so my number one guy, well, I guess, num- yeah. Number one guy, uh, Cooper Jerky at Oregon state. I think that's the coldest take of all time, but he's, he's in my mind, he's the best pitcher in college baseball right now. He's absolutely electric from the left side. I think the lazy comparison to make, especially with the delivery, is Chris Sale. He comes at you from a low three quarters, even arguably sidearm slot. And the fastball is unbelievable. It just explodes out of his hand. It'll be anywhere from 93 to 97. And when he elevates it, and especially on lefties, it is literally unhittable. He went through an Oregon lineup this weekend who was pretty good with they've got a lot of good bats in that lineup with Anthony Hall and Brendan Malone, but he, he carved them like it was nothing. The, the slider was working, everything works for him. And he's just got the, you look at kind of what they look like and in the big leagues. And if Cooper Jerpy isn't what a future ace at the big league level looks like, then I don't know what it does because the mound presence combined with three plus pitches already, the ability to throw strikes, he can locate all of them. It's, Literally, you kind of have built the ideal starting pitcher in Cooper Jerpy. So, yeah, he's he's my number one by a by a pretty decent margin, and I I I think he's a front end of the rotation type of guy. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Aside from Messick, who I'll just say we'll talk about him next, just because we already talked about him so much. He's by far the the most fun pitcher to watch, in my opinion, for me. And what's interesting, I mean, the stats don't lie. 
everything you say is backed up by stats. And I don't even think you had to look at the stats to know that, but I mean, 120 strikeouts, he leads all of pitchers in, um, in war with shout out driveline. They have a bunch of war, um, war scoreboards or leaderboards. Excuse no me. No way. That's uh, sick. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll have the other forward it to you. Maybe we'll post it out there, but yeah, the, the, he has a 3.61 war this season. And what's crazy his ERA is already super low 208. But his FIP is 188, proving that he can even get even lower. I mean, he's just he's technically unlucky, which is crazy to say. <laughs> he's he's an absolute weapon. I I mean, Cooper, anytime Cooper Jerpy toes the rubber, it is it's it's must-watch television. Well, I guess with the Pac-12 network, it's must-watch streaming, but <laughs> no, he's he's appointment television every Friday night. Yeah, and you'll you'll see him the next morning or either the night of all over Twitter, all over Pitching Ninja. I mean, his oh, stuff yeah. is absolutely electric, and he pitches with that intensity. It, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've talked about him so much, uh, Parker Messick. I don't know if I really have anything more to say. If if you, but just the fact that the, the amount of electricity that he injects into a baseball game when he's on a mound is absolutely insane. We all know the stats. He's right there with Jerpy. Um, one of the top 10 pitchers by far in this, in college baseball. And when regional time comes and tournament time comes, he's going to be a guy that, you know, when it's appointment television, it's on the, he's the guy you want to be watching on the mound. I mean, he, all the cameras are going to be right on him after he strikes the guys out running off the mound, screaming at the dugout. And I don't know, there's just really not another lefty except, except from Jerpy that I really want to be watching when I'm watching college baseball. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That that FSU duo of lefties with Messick and Hubbard is as good as it gets as a yeah. one-two punch. And I, I think Messick has taken the leap ahead of Hubbard um, yeah, this spring. But yeah, like you said, it's it's just like, I mean, the way that he gets after on the mound, he's just in he's in kill mode for his whole outing. And a lot of times you see guys with that mentality and it gets away from them. They can overthrow, they'll yank a fastball, leave a breaking ball up. And it leads to, I guess, negative effects on their outing, but he's able to harness it and it, it use it to his benefit. So yeah. I'm with you. I love watching Parker Messick pitch. I love watching all these guys pitch that we're going to talk about. So no, I, I, Parker Messick's a great one, but I'll switch over to a righty. I will go away from the theme, even though I've got a lefty on here, I'll go to the conference USA and Southern Miss and talk about Hurston Waldrip, who is another guy. He's just has with Jer- he in my mind with Jerpy, he's got probably pound for pound the second best pure stuff in the country. It's a I'd say a seven slider and a seven fastball. It's the the slider is an absolute hammer. It'll be anywhere I think from like 80 I don't want to be quoted on the velo, but I think it, it's a hard slider but it's so sharp. And it's a legit set. It's a plus plus pitch and the fastball he'll sit 97 and he's even bumped up to a one Oh two when he's reared back and fire. Like it is, it's unbelievable. The delivery is really athletic. It's compact and repeatable. The arm speed is electric and he's a great athlete. It's the delivery is similar to Jack lighter. Honestly, it's, it's really explosive. And I think he's going to pitch for team USA this summer. So he'll have a great year and get on the, get on the I think the national scene way more than he even is now so it it, I think that 
him, he might be, he'll probably be a, I'd take him in the top 10 to 15 overall next year, along with maybe a couple of these other arms I mentioned, but no, him and he's a close, he's a second to me behind Jerpy for best pitchers in the country. Yeah. This uh, you, I mean, his stuff is electric and I got the velos here. You're absolutely, you said you don't want to quote him, but you're spot on (laughs) the slider sits around, you know, 87, but he's touched 90 with it. The fastball spot on once again, 97. Um, I mean, I really like, I never even really thought about it, but you're right. The Jack Leiter comparison is, is pretty, is pretty great. And I think when you're comparing, especially college baseball arms, and now you see lighters even killing it and with the minors as expected, there's really no one better to be compared to than Jack lighter. In my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I was going to say like the lighter comparison. I know there were some of the skeptics were, were talking about lighter and his ability to start at the professional level, how effective he was going to be, but he's done nothing but be lights out, let alone effective. So I think teams will see that in Waldrip and, we could be sitting here next year and 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 talking about Hurston Waldrop as a guy maybe going one one. I I really I don't think he'll be out of the conversation. So yeah. I, I I really like him. Yeah, me too. A great pitcher. We'll we'll move on now to uh, the next guy, Tennessee guy, one of two on our list. Um, Chase Dollander. I mean, another young kid for Tennessee. Not he hasn't pitched. Oh, my bad. And we were doing Twitter going, but another, another um young kid. He's killing it. Only 50 innings pitch, but doesn't matter. The strikeout rate is seven, 78 strikeouts, a two, six, six year A. His fastball is absolutely electric. Gets it up to 98. And another guy that he throws his slider more than his changeup. Pretty not as much as his fastball. Fastball by far is the most pitch, but his slider's lethal. I mean, his slider's really good. His changeup's lethal, but he doesn't throw it. When he grows and learns how to throw his changeup more, he's going to be by far one of the best pitchers in college, which we're already seeing now that he's, I mean, and then it's just such a crucial part for Tennessee when you get these young guys, uh, you know, Chase Dollander and Chase Burns, freshman and sophomore and freshman, the, the two young guys leading the pack for you. It's exactly what you need when you get guys – they go down with injuries. They just come here. These guys step up and just absolutely destroy. Yeah. You said it bet like Donner and Waldrop, I think are going to be the two guys collegiately being talked about as the, the best starting pitchers in the country next year. And they are already being talked about as such. Now, if you take Cooper Jerpy and guys like Messick and a couple others out of the equation, but like you said, the fastball is, I'd say it's right now his best pitch It. It, yeah, and it, it's effortless it's, too. Yeah, it's effortless velo, 95 to 98. He's a really good athlete, and he's got a little bit of projection left. And Tennessee's pitching staff as a whole is just ridiculous. Like, yeah. we could have thrown probably four Tennessee pitchers on this list with, um, you know, Burns, Drew Beam, and Blade Tidwell. But, no, Dollander is – he's he's fantastic, and and you you touched on it so well. So, I'm excited to watch him pitch and, and um, no doubt he'll keep shoving. I know he got hit with a little comebacker on the elbow. So they're kind of working him back into a, uh, into that, that, Mm. that, um, that role where he can go six, seven, eight innings. So no, I'm, he's, he's a stud for sure. The next arm that um, I'll get into here is I'll stick with the mid major and I'll, I'll, 
I'll I'll stick with down south and talk about Thomas Harrington. Thomas Harrington out of Campbell. Um, he last year he had an awesome season as a freshman. He's a draft eligible sophomore. Um, I think he was Big South Freshman of the Year. He might have been. Yeah, uh, he was. And this year he's done nothing but again be absolutely lights out. Um, he's I think he's got a one two ERA. With so many of these guys, it's their stuff is is really good, but they're actually pitchers. They're not just getting up there and throwing. Like you look yeah. at the K walk of so many of these guys, they know their stuff. They know how to pitch with all of their pitches. Waldrop can pitch with his slider. Jerpy obviously with his slider. Um, Messick, like there's some pit. There's a degree of pitchability with all these guys, which I think is so important when looking at how they're going to do at the next level like yes it's awesome to be able to throw 102 to 104 but if you really can't dot it up you like there's really no use for it because big league guys can put wood on a bullet so with Harrington his ability to really spot like 93 to 95 and and put it like where he wants is so huge and right now he's a little bit of a two-pitch guy with a fastball and off-speed offering um but another guy who's a really good athlete on the mound, there's a ton of projection left. Like you're saying, like the, one of my cliches in, in scouting is you're, you're getting good clay here to mold. And I think that given the lack of, I guess, health among the other draft eligible college pitchers, because it really was a good class until everyone yeah. seemingly went down, but he's a guy who I think has pitched his way into day one consideration and, will probably be a first round pick. Yeah, I think so. And I think you, what you said most is that resonate with me is that, you know, these guys do know how to pitch and he's another guy that knows how to pitch. You look at all the stats, all these guys have a walk rate. That's less than 5%. I mean, they're limiting walks. They're pitching with control. And especially guys like Harrington, Messick, Jerpy, who don't, you know, they throw hard, but they're not like, you know, they're not the Ben Joyce's or anyone on Tennessee really that's throwing up to 96, 97, or even up to a hundred. They're, they're getting done. They're getting it done with, you know, low nineties, mid nineties that, and it's just be able to spot it and use your play with your off speed and really know how to pitch. And I think Harrington is one of the best examples of a guy that does that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I like your cliche too. You're getting a good clay. To good mold. clay. Yeah. Good you can clay. take that one with you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, someone who's really, really good clay to mold is the other Tennessee kid. We're going to talk about Chase Burns, another electric factory on the mound. Uh, I think he surprises himself half the time when he does something amazing. He just doesn't even know he can do it. And he's just learning that he can. But um, it's very similar stats to Dollander, but you know, we've got 60 inning pitches, another, 79 strikeouts with a 225 ERA, but his stuff is absolutely electric. The fastballs, you know, up to 95, six or seven, I think, like in, the, in that range, but consistently right there. Um, and I think with his frame, we're going to see that he's going to get a lot more on his fastball as he continues to grow as not just a, an athlete, but, you know, just in the gym and everything. He's going to get more velo on that fastball and be even more lethal. Um, but the fastball is electric and it's going to shoot up. Like I said, he has more likes than I'd like to see compared to a lot of other guys on the list. But like I said, he has so much room to grow. And what I really like to see in it, and it proves to me that he is going to grow is that most of his walks are coming off his fastball, which is probably 
his best pitch. You know, we see a lot of strikeouts on his slider and his fastball, but right now fastball is most consistent. So if you're getting your most blocks on your fastball, but it's probably your best pitch, you're gonna that's gonna go way down. So he's he's great. Another guy that has stepped up for Tennessee. Um, just not really much more to say about him. He's just got electric stuff and the stats back it up. <laughs> yeah, and Tennessee is and Tony Vitello and that whole staff. They're so great as we've now seen with developing guys and they can develop both hitters and pitchers. Um, Like you said, as a true freshman, it's so hard to set high expectations, I think, because whether you're as good a hitter, I guess, as Cody Schreier was in high school or as good a pitcher as Chase Burns, there's going to be a time of adjustment. Um, Cody Schreier got off to a, a, a slower start and has since obviously figured it out, but Chase stepped in right away and really blew some people away. And that first start where I knew that he was for real was in the Shriners classic against Texas. I think he went five innings, struck out 10, allowed just one run on and one walk. Um, And to be honest, I was a little skeptical of how he would do in college. I, I didn't know, I guess how much pitcher he had in him. I knew he could really throw the crap out of the ball and get a fast arm, but Mm -hmm. The I was he, his breaking ball is really impressive. That curveball, it's got big shape. It's it's got really sharp downward break to it. I mean, watching this kid pitch, you'd never think that he was a freshman. There aren't really many bad misses, like you said. Like a lot of these walks are not due to. I'd say there have been a couple outings at Missouri. He wasn't super sharp, but I mean, you're not going to go seven innings with twelve Ks every single time out there. Um, this is a kid who in two years, I can only imagine what he's going to look like. And, and what's even crazier is with a two, two, five ERA and the numbers that he's got, I don't even think we're close to what he, the best he has to offer. Yeah, I completely agree. And when I say a lot of walks, like he has 17, like it's, it's a, it's more than the other top guys, but it's not nothing crazy. He's still really good. And, you know, the slider, slash cutter. I don't really know exactly what he calls it or what he does, but super consistent pitch. Um, it gets, you can get more movement on it when he needs it. Other times it's just a little bit movement, almost like, a, you know, the reverse two seam classic cutter, but it's, he's just really impressive. Yeah. He's electrifying. Um, yeah. I guess like to shift gears a little bit and keep obviously keeping the trend going are really good pitchers, but a guy who's a little, who's all pitch right now and no velo and he's not getting, I, I don't think nearly as much national recognition as he should is Blake Morgan um, out of old dominion. Their true freshman now Friday night guy. Um, the ERA, I mean, it's minuscule. It's, it's 0.68 as of the recording and with 57 Ks to seven walks, like as a true friend, like, and the conference USA, it's not the SEC where Chase Burns is blowing away teams like Vanderbilt and, um, you know, Arkansas and, and, and the likes of those clubs. But he is facing ECU, Campbell, Florida Atlantic, Southern Miss he threw against Friday night, Louisiana Tech, who can really hit. And he's done a fantastic job. What's most striking about him, and especially this day and age in college and really baseball in general where velocity is so much of who a pitcher is it seems 
he's been at 86 to 90 with his fastball. What, but what his out pitch is and his best pitch is a changeup that uh, in talking to a couple of the hitters on the old dominion team, it, it literally just collapses off of a table. It's a bugs bunny changeup. Um, and they say that he's probably like 160 pounds soaking wet. So there's going to be a huge velo jump in there somewhere. I don't think we're going to be talking about a guy who's 94 to 97 per se, like a jerpy from the left side. I think there is some more pitchability traits in this one, but even if he can get to 91 to 94 and still really be able to pitch with that change up, like this is a, and develop, I'd say even a serviceable third pitch, a third, uh, a breaking ball to add to his arsenal. He's going to be a sleeper guy who, like I think in his draft year, like he could come onto the radar similar like Thomas Harrington did. It's a little different with Harrington with him being a draft eligible sophomore, but kind of that trend of a mid major pitcher making serious noise. Blake Morgan is, I mean, talk about setting the tone. He's done just that as a true freshman. I think he's going to stay at old dominion this summer and, and get stronger and add, I don't know, 10 to 20 pounds and, and hopefully a few ticks of velo. So uh, the future is really bright for him and, I know he's very off the beaten path and no one has really seen him throw. So, but I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't include him in there. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you did too. Cause I think it's a lot, it's, he's a player that most people will not know about it. Uh, if you're just a casual college baseball fan and it's just, he's a great arm. And I think the room he has to grow and already what he's shown now, it, it's, it's clear that he deserves to be one of the most recognized guys in all of college baseball for what he's done. Um, and I guess we'll we'll switch gears now to a pitcher that the whole podcast loves, Rhett Louder. I know Miller will just go <laughs> on and on and on about Rhett Louder with great reason, too. I mean, he's got the electric stuff on the mound. He's got the flow. Um, Wake Forest pitcher is just – he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. I, like most of these guys on this list are. But, I mean, Rhett Louder's changeup is like from another world. It really is. Um, when, when you see him, you're like, all right, his fastball is pretty. He's got great velo. There's no way he's, you know, he's, no one in college has a really good developed changeup, but he does. And it looks like the crazy thing for him is his changeup looks like it's effortless gas. It's, it's 88 consistently, but out of his hand, it looks like a bowling ball. So that only, that only makes you think if you're a hitter, like, what is his fastball going to look like? And that thing is just strong too. I love his windup. It's it's really like herky jerky, but very consistent and repeatable. And the fastball, every single pitch he throws has movement on it. It's it's really incredible. And Rhett Louder is a, is a guy that is just going to keep getting better and better. And I think he'll progress as he gets drafted and goes into the minor leagues. Yeah, I mean, you said it. He he's he's just got it all going on for him. When you watch him take the mound, you see the long hair. Mm-hmm. It's clear he's confident he's not going to let anybody beat him and he goes out and just does it week in and week out and this is while pitching at the couch which for the listeners wake forest is notorious for their ballpark being extremely hitter friendly whether it be the wind that consistently blows out or the dimensions which are really quite frankly pretty small it's a hard ballpark to pitch in and so with Rhett Louder, I can only imagine how he'd be doing in the Pac-12. But stuff-wise, Ben, you touched on everything. The the changeup is Incredible. similar to Morgan. It's it's his calling card. It's it's an elite pitch, and 
he gets a ton of swing and miss with that and his fastball. He's another guy who, I mean, just sitting here and talking about so many of these names and there are a ton of names here that we could have easily thrown on um, yeah. there for as, I guess, unhealthy, because I don't want to call it bad as unhealthy as this college class is for pitchers. Next year's class is just going to be bonkers talking about some of the names on here, louder wall drip. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a really impressive group. So I guess to take us home here, I'll, um, I'll, I'll mention another guy who probably doesn't get the attention that he deserves because of where he plays, but Gabe Hughes at Gonzaga, their Friday night guy, um, another team USA guy who is uh, another trend that I've, I've just picked up on, but um, when we're talking about all these guys who can pitch and Hughes is no different with one Oh, with 108 Ks to just 25 um, walks. Um, all these guys pitch with really, really good productive emotion. Like Hughes on the mound is very emotional. You know, he'll let you know when you, when, when he let, when he rips off a good off-speed pitch and you get a bad swing off, but um all these guys pitch with swagger. Like confidence is so key in baseball to there's a difference between being cocky and confident. And all of these guys have great self-confidence that no matter what's thrown at them, no matter who they face, like Gabe Hughes went and threw at Oklahoma state, which has been a top five team. I'd say all year, top eight team all year. Mm -hmm. um, Early in the season. And he went to Stillwater and that's this, a pretty hostile environment. Um, Oklahoma state's got a great lineup that can hit and he could have easily just kind of folded and, you know, I guess turtled up, but he did exactly the opposite. I, he won that start. I think he had 12 K's and, and won the game, but um, no, he's, he's fantastic. His fastball is another one that is just ridiculous. And um, no, he's, I, we, I think we've got a great group of, of 10 starting pitchers here in college baseball and, and Gabe's a great guy to round it out with. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, we'll go back to the war because Gabe Hughes is third in pitcher war three, three, two, pretty impressive. And I think the swagger helps him out a lot. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> really no doubt. Guy. Yeah. The, the swagger to these guys, like in uh, attributes in the show, it gives them, I think mm. it, like plus five stuff and plus two to three velo. Yeah. And you, you got to imagine with Rhett louder, his flow is getting him. Like, oh, the flow plus, is like plus, plus 20. If yeah, he, if he yeah. cuts the flow off, I don't know if we'd be talking about him right now. Nah, I don't either. The movement <laughs> and the velocity go right up with the flow. But yeah, yeah. No, I think I think we have an absolute great group of ten pitchers, and there's so many more we could talk about. Um, but yeah, I think it was there's a lot of fun talking about them, and I all these guys are just going to get better and better. If the guys who are younger and won't get drafted will no doubt get drafted when they're eligible, uh, most of them next year. It's it's just a great group, a great like you said, a great starting pitcher class, but so much to look forward to as well. Definitely. No, I, I think we did a great job breaking them down and I love chopping up guys with you. And I think we have another kind of ranking style top, however many lists coming your way and maybe in next, I'd say few episodes, depending on how, um, how these series turn out. So it was another, I'd say great week. And 
again, now at this point in the season, it's every series is a big one. So mm-hmm. we're excited to see, you know, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State next weekend, Vandy and Arkansas. And yeah. we'll be back here in the same time, same place, breaking it all down for you. Yeah. And um, also, Ryan Miller's mock draft 2.0 coming out oh yeah should be coming out this week so definitely check that out we'll probably his magnum opus yes exactly we'll definitely have an episode about that with him on it um and yeah look out for more top 10 lists uh we'll have a write-up about our episode for the top 10 um what do we call it the most um impact the top 10 impact players we'll have a write-up on that coming out shortly this upcoming week so a lot of stuff to look forward to uh our college baseball podcast, Boys of Spring, and just college baseball in general. It's a really exciting time. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Subscribe follow to the JB everywhere. YouTube. Subscribe to YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> um, use Loop and the prize picks, all our sponsors, and just keep getting after it. Thanks for, Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you soon.